Hello, and welcome to a Thursday afternoon evening edition of the Big D Podcast. Before I bring in today's special guest, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page where you can see yesterday's video and also my latest and greatest content. Also, uh, please check out the Big D Podcast on Spotify and Apple if you prefer audio podcasts. So, Joining us, as you can see from her background, is uh, my friend Kelly. Uh, Kelly and I worked together this spring training for the uh, Boston Red Sox at uh, Jeff Blue Park. And uh, Kelly's excited because the Red Sox are in the American League Championship Series and will take on the Houston Astros, at least the ones who aren't cheating. <laughs> I'm sure the media was pretty excited about the two teams meeting each other because they'll be able to talk endlessly about that whole fiasco and Cora and everything else. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, <laughs> who wasn't cheating back in those days? <laughs> well, it just depends on your definition of cheating, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was either cheating or getting away with cheating. How <laughs> right. So uh Kelly, talk about your when you first got in love with baseball. Well, that's a good question because unlike a lot of us, I did not grow up with baseball. Living in Florida, it was all football, football, and you know, there's spring training, but baseball wasn't real big, at least not in my household. And we had some Cubs fans in the family. And then later on when I was in high school, we had some people that we were close with that were from Boston area and got to know some of them and my mom's company, Ted Williams, was their uh, spokesperson when they were doing the real estate deals in Central Florida. So I got to meet him a few times, and more and more, I started to become a, a fan. Although that was back before we had, you know, we didn't have TV subscriptions to baseball and internet and all that stuff, so it wasn't as easy to follow teams that were far away either. But anyway, that's kind of where it started. And of course, spring training being here, and uh, when I moved to Fort Myers about 20 years ago, they were here. So I started following them more. And as you mentioned, now I'm working there in the spring and um, go to Boston. We've been going to Boston every summer for a couple games. Last year, we went to four games in Boston. We saw them in St. Pete the other night, Friday night when it was 14 to six. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so my families are we're all fans. Yeah. Was it hard? Was it hard? Because until 93 was the first year that Florida actually got a major league baseball team with the then Florida Marlins. But was it hard being a baseball fan but not having a team here and not knowing exactly what was happening with the sport? Yeah, I don't know if you could say it was hard because that's just how it was. So you didn't know any different. It's not like now if someone took it all away from you, you then you just you wouldn't know what to do with yourself. Back then, it was just like you cheered for them if they happened to get a Sunday night game and that was on television. And, you know, if you saw the box score in the paper, you'd look and see what was going on. But you were accustomed to not having constant information about it. So it wasn't like as as if now if someone took it from you. But um, so you just kind of got what you could and (laughs) lived with that. (laughs) Did you have did you have a favorite player back in? In many years ago, did you have a favorite player you followed? <sighs> no, I don't. I wouldn't say that I did. Like I said, I wasn't able to follow it that closely. And the one that that we had, I had met, was obviously Ted Williams, who was retired. So he was always my favorite from the get go, even though I never saw him play because he retired before my time. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know that I had one favorite in those 80s years. <clears throat> maybe, maybe in like the 2000s, did you have did you have one, whether you played for the Red Sox or not? Um, trying to think of what years. I also follow the Cubs a lot, so we had a lot of Cubs favorites too. I mean, that Sammy Sosa <laughs> was a big favorite a long time ago, and Kerry Wood. Um, and then, of course, John Lester came along a little bit later for the Red Sox and eventually the Cubs. Um, talking about a lot of pitchers here, I think. Well, two pitchers. Um, I don't know. I can't even think of what year was what now. It all kind of blends together. <laughs> I can think of 98 as being special Kerry Wood and Stanley Sosa because right. Wood's right. 20 strikeouts against the Astros. And of course, right. it was like in April of, 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 two th- of 98, right? Something like that. And then Sosa and Mark McGuire with the big home run chase. Right. That was so, the big news. So when you first started following the Red Sox since spring training, uh, A, how excited were you that you actually could see a team in person? And B, did it did it just like increase your baseball enthusiasm? Yeah, being able to see them in person in the spring, even if it's just in the spring, it really does make it more exciting when you see them on TV because you remember, and especially some of them that you only saw in spring training for maybe a year or maybe two or three years. You saw them every spring training, but they didn't quite make the team in the regular season. And then when they do, it's so exciting to see them. Oh, I've been watching him in spring training every year. I've been waiting for him to make it. And here he is, you know, so that's, that makes it kind of fun too, seeing those guys. But yes, the seeing people that you get to get to see every spring. It's always exciting that way. And so how much fun was it to start walking for the Red Sox in spring training? That was pretty cool. It's pretty cool to just be, be there, even in a small, <laughs> kind of a small role and part-time and just in the spring. But um, yeah, it's pretty awesome to be on the team some in some way, anyway. <laughs> I, I'll just say, I think it, I, I would just, I'm a little jealous because you actually, when before this year, you actually got to walk in the monster. Yeah, as far as I know, I'm going to be back there this next spring. So I'm looking forward to that. That's pretty, that, that is. A lot of people ask me how the heck I got that job. I just happened to be around when they were looking for somebody. <laughs> um, I was doing a different job at the stadium and they were looking for people. And I said, the scoreboard? Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> And so this was my fifth year. Well, I didn't do the green monster this year, as you said, we were up in the control room, but um, so I guess I did it for four years and hopefully go back to that next year. The virus kind of messed that up this year, Mm -hmm. changed things a little bit, but it is pretty, it's pretty exciting. And just, it's just very unique to be out there in left field on your own, with all the fans screaming and (laughs) kind of have my own little private spot there. It's really cool. I've got a I've got a question. A, tell us about like manning the Green Monsters school board because to me I would think A that's the coolest job at spring training. B, I bet you that would I bet you if you got one of those warm late winter early spring days you would like uh can I have can I have a water or an AC? <laughs> <laughs> it does get a little warm out there with that metal wall and the, the warning track generating all that heat. But we, it is when we run it, when we go inside, we do have air conditioning and we have plenty of water. So we're, you know, it's just 
it's hot when you go out, but we're, we're taken care of in there. We're pretty comfortable. You're, you're running. So that's hot. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of people say, how'd you get that job? But some people say, Ooh, how'd you get that job? <laughs> Not everybody thinks it's the greatest idea because of the heat, but that might be, we, get, we love it anyway. That might be the job right up my alley. <laughs> Being a runner, I'm, I'm not sure you can see the medals behind me. Yeah, I do. I know you're a runner. This is more of a sprint than a than a 5K, but <laughs> yeah, you could do it. I'll do it all day. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, in spring, so uh, this past spring training, Kelly and I won the uh, control booth. She was doing the like keeping track of like scores and lines, which in the middle of a game when you see the alliance, when you see the substitutions can be the most annoying thing in swing training. Like where the where where's this guy playing? Where's this guy playing? <laughs> Some of them aren't even on the roster or sometimes you have multiple people wearing the same jersey number. So you really can't figure out who they are. Yeah, like 92's playing playing here, 94's playing here. We're going to put you here. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's like like, uh, those preseason games in the NFL with like college college (laughs) football where you've got like two number eights playing somewhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like it when football started letting them have two people with the same jersey number. That bothers me still. hard enough in spring i was just saying from spring training do you remember a couple guys who you thought would have made impact a couple younger guys would have made younger impact a good impact with the red sox well i know there were a couple this year that we i know we rooted them on together um bobby dahlbeck of course was one of them and he's he has made somewhat of an impact he he's played a lot and uh, i don't know his RBI number off the top of my head, but um, the other one that I really liked this spring was Jaron Duran, and he's come. He's had a couple pinch moments for the club, but he's been in the minors most of the time. But I'm sure he'll be back. Uh, um, well, hey, Jaron Duran represented. I think he represented Team USA at the Olympics. He's he's a, um, he could probably be a trackster as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, he could, he could compete <laughs> against the sprinters in the hundred meter dash. Uh-huh. When we were at Fenway, he he had an inside the park home run, although it was called back because they said that the outfielder fumbled it. So they ended up making it a triple on it on an error and a home run on an error. error oh, wait like a that. minute! Wait a minute! They actually the ups called him. He outfielder fumbled the ball. Wait a minute! What the hundred <laughs> runs was going on here? <laughs> no, I don't think they actually called it a fumble. Um, <laughs> but when the outfielder made the play, he kind of took him a second to get it in his glove or get it out of his glove. I don't even know exactly now, but they, so they gave him only a triple instead of an inside the park home run, even though he did score on it. So the fans were kind of bummed, but it was still exciting. He was, that guy can move around the bases. (laughs) Actually, I don't think, I don't think Duran made the Olympic team. It was like, yeah, I don't don't think it was him. I don't think the ran made, but I think the Dolphin got 25 home runs, 78 RBI this year. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, as you can, so um, it was weird this year because unlike most years, the Red Sox were not supposed to be. <sighs> uh, 
a playoff team. I mean, I heard a lot of people saying the Red Sox be lucky to win 75, 80 games this year, but yet I knew from spring training on what this team could hit. The question was, would they get started pitching? And that remains a question because are even our best, as they call them, aces have their nights where they're not exactly aces as we saw on Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're still going an inning. But that's the beauty of a series. If you can have a bad night here and there, but as long as you win four of them out of seven, you're golden. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure where the Red Sox be without a couple of these guys. Uh, Garrett Whitlock. I mean, how the Red Sox got the Yankees. Oops. Whoops. (laughs) And then uh, the two secret weapons out of the bullpen, Nick Pavetta and Tanner Howe. Boy, they've been fun to watch. Nick was on his game on Sunday, wasn't he? He was having a good time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if he he drank a couple of Dunkin' Donuts before the game. (laughs) Maybe that's what it was. (laughs) It's either either Dunkin' Donuts or Red Bull, one of the two. (laughs) Maybe both. (laughs) So when you were at so when you were at Tropicana Field for Game Two of the ALDS on Friday, a how loud it was, and b did it feel like a playoff game? Because last year's postseason just felt weird with no fans yeah. in California and few fans. The LCS and World Series in Arlington, Texas. Yeah, and I, I didn't go to any games last year. I really I just I really didn't feel like it would feel fun. <laughs> but, oh yeah, we couldn't go to any games last yeah, year. Yeah, right. You couldn't, but even if you even if you wanted to, like even football last year, I, I didn't even try to go. But um, but yeah, the other night, even though it was at the Rays, which traditionally does not draw many people, the announced attendance was about thirty seven thousand something, which is a lot for them. And of course, a lot of them were Red Sox fans. But it de- definitely felt that way. They they were loud, even though. Um, you know, they were, even though they don't come to a lot of games, a lot of them were there that night. And of course you could hear the Red Sox fans pretty much just as well. And um, we got a special, you know, if you want to call it a special tour of the upper decks, because the upper decks, they usually don't even open because they don't have enough fans coming. So they usually don't even allow people up there. So, um, but yeah, it was good. It was 37 something thousand people. And a lot of them started leaving after the eighth or so inning. But, but early on it was loud and they were there. I got to give them credit. They, they showed up and cheered as long as they could stand it. But then after it got to be about, after the Red Sox had about 14 runs, they, they lost interest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can remember being in St. Pete for game three of the 2013 ALDS and that was the loudest stadium I've ever experienced. And I've been <laughs> I guess in, having a roof makes it louder, doesn't it? I've been in, I've been in some loud stadiums. I've been in, Tampa was at the Swamp for a football game, been in Miami for a couple of college football playoff games, and the drop that night was the loudest stadium I've ever heard. Hmm. I don't think it was that loud. Definitely not loud as I've been in Fenway before, but I think the roof makes it does make it a little bit seem a little bit louder anyway. But yeah, it was it was definitely felt like the playoffs. Yeah, so for the uh, so the Red Sox with a couple walk-offs got by the race, and now Guess who you get in the ALCS? <laughs> you all, your friendly, your friendly folks, not the Yankees yeah. this time. <laughs> the other, yeah, they get to go to Houston, see their old friends. <laughs> I'm just saying, it, a is it weird that the Astros and Red Sox are me in the ALCS after what happened in 2017, 2018 with the 
cheating scandal, whatever you call it. It's definitely going to give everybody a lot to talk about during the game, I'm sure. And but it seems it seems about right. It seems <laughs> she seems like about how things would be going right now for us to meet up with them. Um, but yeah, I'm sure the media will have fun reminding everyone about everything that's happened and Cora's split role and how everything you know you know how it is. They'll they'll talk about it ad nauseum. But I hope there's just some good games. And like I said, as long as we can win four out of seven. I actually like starting out at the, being the visitor for the first two games because I, I think playing games three, four, five, if necessary, and at Fenway, are, that's better. I like that. I, th- I think the 2-3-2 two, two is harder for the home team because, yeah, game five is so critical. It's that swing game because if you go up 3-2, even if you're going back on the road, you only have to win one instead of two at home. Right. And right. – Bad news for the Astros. I don't think Lance McCullers will be pitching in the ALDS because he left Tuesday start with a forearm strain. And uh, he's been, McCullers has been one of the best pitchers in the AL this year. And uh, if he's not pitching, that's not good for Houston. It's the old Houston we have a problem syndrome. <laughs> that's so, okay uh, with me. So who do you think stole in the Monite for the Red Sox? Uh, volume, guessing? That's what I'm thinking. I don't know for sure, but yeah, he's been good. He's been pretty consistent. He's had his moments too, just like everyone else has. But who will be the X? Who will be the X factor in this series for the Red Sox? Hmm. I don't want to be too obvious, but I keep going. My mind keeps going back to either Kike or then sometimes Schwarber. <laughs> I was so happy when Schwarber came over. He's been a favorite of mine since he was with the Cubs. And uh, I think he's going to fit right in in Boston, I mean, as you've probably already seen. I mean, look how many home runs Schwarber hit in June with the Nationals. I mean, he feels like he feels like a Red Sox player. And be honest I know people in match in the Northeast are thinking, why didn't the Red Sox get Anthony Rizzo? I'm like, Kyle Schwab was fine. Just wait till he comes off the deal. This guy, and look what he did. He only hits home runs in the wild card game off Garrett Cole for crying out loud. What else <laughs> do you want? Do you want him to hit home runs? Do you want him to hit home runs off Justin Verlander next? <laughs> That's fine. It's no Garrett Cole, but that's fine. You probably saw them. They kept running the play where he hit one against Garrett Cole against the Pittsburgh Pirates back in 2015, and they kept showing that one all day. And that and ball wouldn't you know it when he faced him that, that night. And that ball still flying, still swimming the Allegheny and River. It, <laughs> and it went about to the same place. It went like to, to middle, in between, kind of in between, uh, like right field and center field somewhere out in that way out ble- towards the bleachers and as it did in Pittsburgh. So it was just like, <laughs> yep, Schwarber's here. <laughs> He's doing what Schwarber does. Yeah. Hitting home runs in October. What else do you mean? So uh, even for the Allegheny, we weren't on the Allegheny, but that was fine. <laughs> trying to think like what's the closest river to Fenway and the closest <laughs> body of water. The dirty water, the Charles River, but it's not really not kind of not quite the right direction where he hit it. But anyway, close enough. <laughs> yeah. So now from baseball, okay, dog, okay, dog. I know, I know you're a Kyle Schwarber fan. <laughs> he does like Kyle Schwarber, <laughs> although yep. he prefers tennis balls to baseballs. Okay. From, <laughs> okay, from tennis, 
okay, from baseball <laughs> to college football now, we're talking about uh, Kelly's. I don't know if we won first favorite or one A favorite with her Florida Gator football team because, uh, I mean, I know this year that Kentucky didn't go well, but uh, it seems like Florida's got something going with Dan Mullen. I was really happy with that hire. I, I've always liked him since he was with us back in the day. And um, really, really happy that they hired him. And I know he's he's got such a good rapport with the players and the coaching staff. And they have a lot of talent. There's still some work to do and some inconsistencies. And you've seen all the penalties and things like that that, that have happened. And so they got a lot of cleaning up to do. And, yes, the Kentucky game was a nightmare. Um, but – I don't know. I see a lot of brightness in the future there too. The one thing, the one thing I've seen with Dan Mullen, whether he was an OC at Florida, a head coach in Mississippi State, or a head coach in Florida, is he can make something out of his quarterbacks. Because you look at what he did in Southfield, he made Dak Prescott a service of a really a great quarterback. He made Nick, uh, who's the other one, Nick Fitzgerald into a serviceable quarterback in college. And then whether it was Felipe Franks or Kyle Tracks, he made them work. And now at Emory Jones feels like a Dan Mullen quarterback with that dual threat ability. Kyle Tracks put up guardy numbers last year, but he didn't never felt like a Dan Mullen dual threat quarterback. <laughs> Emory Jones feels like a dual threat quarterback. Yeah, I, f- I forget his numbers. We were there at the game on Saturday, and um, I know he rushed for – he had several rushes. He must have rushed for 40 or 50 yards or something on Saturday, so you never know what he's going to do. So that gives them something else they have to think about, not just his arm, but what's – you know, he could squirt, squirt right through them somewhere and, and get a few yards with his feet too. So that's always exciting. Plus, if you look at it, I think the next Florida quarterback uh, – who's what's his name? Anthony Richardson. Richardson. Yeah. Seems really good. It seems like maybe the seems like a really confident passer. And he's a bruiser too. He can run it a little bit too if he has to. He's not afraid to, to run it. You've seen him vault over a couple of people running and things like that. So he's definitely got some talent to do whatever it takes. And a lot of people have been kind of, uh, you've seen it, I'm sure, kind of wondering why he hasn't been playing more, but um, I, you know, I think he's just a little raw still and he'll come along and he's, he's young. So he's got plenty of time. There's no need to rush it. I think everybody sees these freshman quarterbacks playing well, whether it be the uh, or young quarterbacks playing well, whether it be CJ Stroud, Ohio state, Bryce Young, Alabama, or that kid who made the great comeback in the, uh, Red River showdown against Texas for you and may think, you know what, if these guys can play, why can't all quarterback play? But some guys come around quickly and some guys don't take, take a little longer. And plus, if you've got a serviceable quarterback. Right. There, and they I don't necessarily it, have someone else to lean on. Yeah. And, and I would say Jones is a serviceable quarterback. I mean, he played really well against Alabama, just ran out of time in that game. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, so this week, uh, Florida makes a trip to Death Valley and faces the LSU. Yeah, talk about a team that needs a win. LSU needs a win. Otherwise, uh-huh. might be on the hot seat. Oh, wait, he is on the hot seat. 
<laughs> so, do you think Florida can win in Death Valley on Saturday afternoon? Do I think they can? Um, I know they're that's a loud place. I've been there a number of times. Sorry about the dog. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's a challenging place to play and even to be a fan sometimes. But um, but yeah, I, I know we can and we obviously have under those circumstances, even with our, not our necessarily our best teams going in the years past. And um, the only thing is that they do have something to prove and they probably have a chip on their shoulder because they do need a win and Coach O needs a win. So it'll, it'll, be a big, it'll be a big game. I'm looking forward to it, but I think we can do it. We need to. <laughs> yeah, you need to stay in the SC race because the Georgia-Kentucky winner is going to be at least yeah. one, if not a couple games ahead of you, because if Kentucky beats you, the SC East race might be over on Saturday. That's the problem, yes. Uh, by, the way, <laughs> by the way, have you seen the line for that game? I think Georgia's like a 23-point favorite in that game. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a crazy year in SC. I mean, Texas a beat Alabama on Saturday as like an 18-point dog. That you was exciting. Be, you know what would be even crazier? How about Kentucky beat Georgia at 20? That would be points. exciting. Of course, then we'd never eclipse Kentucky in the SEC East because then they'd have two wins in the East that so we'd definitely be done there, but it'd still be fun. <laughs> yeah, just make the just make the cocktail party uh, <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, do you even still call the cock because they it, Used to be the Florida, yeah. the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, and now it's just the Florida Georgia game. I'm yeah, like, <laughs> most of us call it that. The media doesn't call it that. It doesn't get advertised as that anymore because you know they've become more responsible, I guess. <laughs> but responsible. To, to a lot of us, it still is. <laughs> yeah, so uh, they want it. They don't want it to look like it's just a drinking party. But yeah, I haven't been there in quite a while now. I don't. I don't even know when was the last one of those I went to, but. Having a having a kid doing baseball and football and everything keeps me busy on the weekends. So I haven't been to Jacksonville in probably 15 years, but I'll be getting there one of these days. But maybe it's just as well that I missed it this year. Hey, I've got a question. <laughs> what was the what was the most memorable Florida game you ever saw in person? Mm, that's a good one. I would say, well. Obviously, winning a national championship is exciting. We, I did go to the, the national championship against Oklahoma and Miami. Um, but really, the most exciting one, it was in 1997 when we played Florida State at home. We had lost to Georgia really bad by like 30 points. And we had lost to LSU. And FSU came to the swamp, ranked number one, smelling like number two, but ranked number one. <laughs> Um, and we beat them 32 to 29 and the, the swamp, I always tell people to this day that I've never been in an earthquake, but that's the most closest thing I would imagine what it feels like to be in an earthquake was the swamp that day, us beating number one Florida state after those terrible hard losses that we had taken and beating them at home in a 20, 32 to 29 game was, that was exciting. <laughs> and the thing I remember that about that game was Steve Spurrier, the old ball coach rotated quarterbacks on Every single play. Yeah. Did that mean that yep. they rotated on the kneel downs? <laughs> <laughs> they probably did. <laughs> yeah. You kneel on first down, you kneel on second down. <laughs> and one of our defensive backs came up with a huge, it was actually it was Thaddeus Bullard, I think, that came up with a huge interception very close to the end of the game. And 
just some big plays like that. There was a, um, you know, Terry Jackson, I think had a huge game and uh, Quez Green, I think had a big catch and run. And uh, just, there were some really big moments that really turned the game that just made it so exciting. Could have gone either way that game. Yeah, and it also knocked Florida State out of the national championship where uh, Tennessee and Nebraska played each other. Yeah, Peyton Manning couldn't beat Florida, but he almost won a national championship. Right. (laughs) Yeah, he never did that. Poor guy. Okay, so now with some of my guests, I I like having a trivia question. So, uh, Kelly, you might... You might remember this guy, and uh, knowing your baseball and Gator etiquette, I think you remember this. What former Florida Gator pitcher played on the 2018 World Champion Red World Championship Red Sox team? A pitcher. I'll give you a hint. He was a first round pitcher. Why am I drawing a blank? Because I should know this. I don't know. I can't come up with the name. When you tell me, I'm going to feel really stupid. <laughs> uh, he was a left-hander. I wonder what year he played with the Gators. Uh, if you think College World Series, you might get it. <laughs> Ironically, too, you know, a couple of days ago, we were looking at the roster from 2018, and I just can't come up with it. Do you want me to tell you? My son has a shirt with the roster on it, and we were looking at it, and we counted we counted how many people were still here, and I think it was like four pitchers and three other players. <sighs> you got me, Dylan. Uh, Brian Johnson. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> of course. I don't know how I could forget that. I liked him, too. Yeah, and uh, it seems he, like such a long time that he hasn't been with us. But I really, think he was yeah. like a two-way play. He was like a two-way player in college because I remember yeah. like DH and came in late in games. Yeah, yeah, Brian Johnson, number sixty-one. Yeah, he's. It seems like it's been so long since he's been on the team, but yeah, I know he was there in like eighteen, nineteen. How could I forget that? <laughs> Sorry. You got me. Sorry, trivia <laughs> guru Stumpson. Better, better luck next time. So, uh, if you had to choose between a Red Sox World Series or Florida National Championship game happening same place, well, not same place, <laughs> same time, where would you go? Oh, like if I had to pick one to go to? Yeah. <sighs> I'd probably have to go to the Gators. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be a tough one. I don't think that'll ever happen, so I'm not going to worry about it too much. <laughs> unless, to they play, the unless they play the World Series in January. In January, we, right. Unless we'd, all, <laughs> unless we'd all be, that would be bad news if that happened. Yeah, something would be wrong if that happened. <laughs> yeah, well, where would they play the World Series in? They could only play that in like Miami. That would be Miami. Tampa, what's the, uh, the Ranger, the two tech stadiums for like Phoenix? Yeah, Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix or Texas. Yeah. Yeah. How about how about a uh, Mullins Park in the morning and a uh, <laughs> and a uh, well, Miller Park has a roof 
and, Miller in Seattle. Seattle has a roof too. So yeah, but, I don't know, somewhere where the roof would be okay, but it'd still be, yeah, it still wouldn't be fun. You're cold. not going <laughs> to have a World you know, you wouldn't put a January World Series game in Milwaukee. No, it'd still be very cold, roof or no roof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be, that might be a story. That'd be weird. Yeah. So thanks for hopping on. We wish you the Red Sox well in their quest for the AL pennant and your Gators well on Saturday. I'm sure you will be busy. (laughs) Thanks, Dylan. Nice talking to you.